This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. The federal government and the Liberal Party was dealing with last week regarding um, Michael Chong, the Conservative MP. It's, you know, it feels like it was three weeks ago, but here's how it all went. On Monday, the Globe and Mail, Robert Fife, Stephen Chase, put out a story documenting that Chong was one of the MPs that had been targeted by... Chinese influencers, people associated with the government, uh, glad handers, do gooders for uh, the Chinese Communist Party and his basically uh, existence, including his family. Does it really matter what kind of threat it was? A threat's a threat. If you tell me your family was threatened by someone closely associated with the Chinese government, I'm listening. I'm not going, oh, yeah, how serious was it? It's pretty damn serious with what I just said. It's really serious. Then the prime minister documents, per his you know knowledge at the time, documents the concept that this is the very first we're hearing about this. We had no idea. This is bad. We got to absolutely have a contingency plan that's a little bit better than the nothing contingency plan that we had prior to this. But Michael Chong over the weekend made an interesting point on television. And he did document that no diplomats have been expelled. Chinese diplomats, Russian diplomats, no diplomats have been expelled from Canada in these rife political times. And and yeah, those would be the leading. You're not going to you're not going to expel somebody from Norway. What do they do? You're not going to expel somebody from New Zealand. What do they do? So here's Michael Chong over the weekend, and I think this is very prescient, and this this audio should land right at the doorstep of the prime minister once he's made his way back from the coronation. I get it. He had to go. Here's Michael Chong on the weekend. What is inexplicable is this government's reluctance to expel diplomats that have crossed the line, that are not acting as diplomats, but rather acting as foreign intelligence officers, threatening and intimidating citizens on our own soil. If you look at, for example... The Russian invasion of Ukraine that began over just over a year ago, European and American governments have expelled over 400 Russian diplomats. In fact, Germany just expelled some 20 Russian diplomats several weeks ago for engaging in subversive and coercive behavior on German soil. The Canadian government hasn't expelled a single Russian diplomat. Okay, let me give you that example again. Sweden. Pretty neutral country, right? Everybody likes Sweden, right? Some good hockey players occasionally, some good tennis players. Um, You know, I I loved Roxette's first two albums. They, what? They expelled five Russian diplomats in the last 10 months. Why? They don't trust them. They accuse them of espionage. Five Russian diplomats expelled from Sweden of all countries. Sweden expels diplomats and Canada doesn't. And by the way, if it was as simple as espionage, maybe we could have a discussion about it. Maybe we could be very, very cautious about it. How about threats? And I assume threats are, are, are anything except the physical variety in, and including the physical variety, I should say. Threats. Were there any threats over there? Absolutely not. Just espionage. We don't trust them. They're acting in a shifty fashion. Forget about it. We're getting them out of here. It's Sweden. In Canada, we don't do that. So a big reason people are saying, what is the motivation here? Why is CSIS doing what they're doing here? I'll make it fairly obvious. One reason and one reason only. The Trudeau government, and and to be honest, I think as a layer of the Trudeau government, the RCMP, they haven't done their jobs here. 
They haven't done their jobs. Do they only have one job? No, they have many. But this is an important job. This is an incredibly important job. So is CSIS leaking to the media? <laughs> yes, absolutely they are. Of course they're talking. They can't have a news conference. They can't get up there with a CSIS banner behind them and say, all right, we're supposed to keep this stuff top secret so that you trust us because we're a spy agency. But here's what we know. Here's all the paperwork. Here's all the handouts. Uh, do anybody need any staplers or anything? Here, We'll take questions now. Those things, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. So CSIS is leaking. Yeah, drip, 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 drip. But they're doing it for one reason and one reason only, because they think the Trudeau government and specifically the prime minister's office is either, um, in essence, a willing accomplice to all this or they're incompetent to stop it. It's one or the other. You can't. There is no third option. Here's what Justin Trudeau said. Try and find some semblance of accountability or responsibility out of this explanation from London, England, prior to the uh, coronation of King Charles in explaining why there hasn't been any diplomats kicked out yet. I think, as uh, as you know, this is a, a serious and significant question. Uh, it's a question of moving forward in a way that represents our values and ensures that we're uh, enforcing our laws while at the same time ensuring that we're uh, keeping Canadians safe and prosperous. Uh, this is a decision not to be taken lightly and the foreign minister is leaning into this very, very carefully. Okay, great. The foreign minister is leaning into this. That's phenomenal. By the way, this is not about my safety or your safety. We're talking about Michael Chong's safety. I could give a rip about my safety or my prosperity. I'm not the one that's been threatened here. I care about somebody else in his family. And I'll make the case if liberal MPs were being threatened, same thing. If NDP MPs were being threatened, same exact damn thing. In fact, people, there have been more than enough whisper, 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 whisper. Does Michael Chong have greater political ambitions than just being a conservative MP? I wouldn't think so because then he wouldn't have spoke out up against China in the first place. He wouldn't have stopped all contact with his relatives in China years ago. He's he's persona non grata to the Chinese government, to the CPC. So let's be perfectly fair about this. Chong's just out here speaking his truth. And there will always be those MPs that get a lot of respect, a lot of respect from their adversaries, a lot of respect from the other parties. Chong is one. Chong absolutely is one. So it really doesn't matter what this person, yep, 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 says on Twitter or this person that used to work for the Liberal Party says, yep, yep, yep. And by the way, I'm quite certain there are backbenchers and yes, some captain members members in, in the Liberal Party and the Liberal government aghast, aghast that this is where it's ended up. They're horrified, not because they could potentially lose their jobs, but they'd like to sleep at night. They'd like to sleep at night and know the prime minister is going to do everything he can and, and protect democracy here and make sure that MPs don't feel targeted and don't feel unsafe. By the way, where's, where's Han Dong gone five weeks ago? Where has Dong gone is the question. It, five weeks ago, he's the greatest MP since sliced bread. Two days later, Trudeau doesn't know him. You haven't heard a dime one about him ever since then. Why not? What is the what is the what is the uh, uh, federal government looking into or not looking into about that? What about his allegations? What about the allegations against him? Any update on that? Not a word. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Mark Lalonde passed away yesterday. And I remember Mark Lalonde really well. Like as a little kid watching things, he was um, Pierre Trudeau's finance minister. Um, always remember, he didn't he didn't look like he was a, you know, a barrel of monkeys, but he was the finance minister and he endorsed 
uh, John Turner and not Jean Chrétien in the 84 Liberal Leadership Convention. Turner edged out, like barely. That might have been the difference. Edged out um, Jean Chrétien on a like a sunny June day. I remember this so well watching this with my parents had uh, hosted a golf tournament with a bunch of uh, my dad's uh, history teaching colleagues in um, in in London. And I remember the convention was that day. So you go out play early in the morning. Then at three o'clock, it's full on. And watching all these adults yell at the TV. Some were pulling for Turner. Some were pulling for Chrétien. And then I remember I remember that so well because obviously Chrétien got his moment. Uh, nine years later, but Mark Lalonde didn't endorse him, and that was in essence the end of uh, <laughs> that was the end of their friendship. Uh, one, you know, Quebec-born cabinet minister not supporting another Quebec-born cabinet minister, and that was that because um, he backed John Turner in that leadership convention uh, at the federal Liberal leadership convention over the weekend. Is our next guest, uh, Beaches East York MP Nathaniel Erskine Smith. Now you got to see John Cretchen speak. He's ninety. Um, had some jokes. Uh, they may have been his own, but really sharp for 90. Let, let's be honest about this. Oh, you still got it. Yeah, it was interesting. 30 years since he formed government as prime minister, 60 years since he was first elected as an MP, and he's 90, and he carried the crowd. There were 3,000 people there, and the largest room, and, and when the room stayed the fullest, it was when Gretchen was speaking. Yeah. I mean, I, he doesn't have any American status, Nate, but let's get him down as an independent Get in those debates with Biden and Trump a year from now. We'd really see some fireworks if that was if was to be the case. He'd, he'd go for it. He does have a certain <laughs> charm that is similar to Biden. I will say when Biden mm-hmm. was before us at the House of Commons, mm-hmm. he can speak on different levels. He can speak to it's as if he's speaking to a small room of people, even though it's a, it's a, it's a huge room. And Gretchen has that certain similar charm. Yeah, there's those there's some politicians that uh, do have that sort of reach out and touch thing that ends up working. Um, it's been it's been some kind of couple of weeks so I, I, for the liberal government, for sure. So I want to get a sense whether a weekend like that is sort of a, a, a needed respite. Um, is the mood on edge There's some really heavy stuff? Election interference is, is heavy stuff. And there's a lot more that's swirling out there uh, based on on the past week. Is 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 that it was was there a bit of a, a mood on the weekend? Like we need to get away from this, at least for a couple of days or, or was it sort of um, an, an omnipresent thing? It wasn't omnipresent. I mean, there are serious issues, no question, and they're top of mind, especially when we're in the House and, and, and on the day-to-day. But this was really about a look back over 10 years of many successes. It's not been perfect, but no government is, and, and, and many successes along the way. And to re-energize really serious liberal volunteers and grassroots. And I will say, and I say this as someone who's traveled across the province of Ontario looking to rebuild the provincial liberal party it's it's interesting because it's night and day the federal liberal party even after seven and a half years in government there's still a really strong base of support yeah i was going to ask about that sort of link um you know the the prime minister made a a joke at the saint thomas uh announcement of the electric vehicle battery plant um denoting that the ontario uh, conservative PC party is not of of great relation to the CPC party. Um, do you see sort of some some you know I, I guess some synergy that needs to be increased between the federal liberals and the provincial liberals? We didn't we didn't see Justin Trudeau out on the campaign trail for Stephen Del Duca last spring. We didn't see a lot of even discussion about it. How how does that work? How do you get that sort of connectivity and put it in a better place? Well, one, I think you got to understand you wear it no matter what. So people heard about Justin Trudeau at the doors provincially, even though he wasn't on the house with them. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important that we do 
you're going to wear the negatives. There are positives that come with it too. And, and we should rebuild those relationships and connections as between the parties. I'll also say though, I think there are many people at the federal level who feel the way that I do. I mean, I got involved 10 years ago in the federal party because it was in third place and really frustrating conservative majority government. There was a need for generational renewal, proper renewal, not just doing the same thing over and over again, doing politics a bit differently. And I think all of that is now required at the provincial level. And there is a bit of a blueprint, number one. But number two, there are many people in my conversations with federal liberals all across Ontario, they feel the same way I do about now is the time to get involved provincially and help rebuild that party. One one thing about Michael Chong, and I was talking to somebody on the weekend, and, and your name came up, irrespective of people knowing that you're on the show regularly, um, and they said they've got tremendous, this is a liberal person talking, and they said i got tremendous respect for Michael Chong. I, I think you have that amount of respect for being independent, an independent thinker um, across the aisle. I would make the case Chong is that same way, which is why probably the story, however this ends up playing out, hits a lot of people a little bit hard here, and especially when people talk about family. is Ch- Chong, to me, is viewed that way. He's not being overly politically ambitious here. If anything, being so frank and firm about China is something that, that probably has cost him political ambition. Chong is a very good example of how one ought to conduct oneself in Parliament. And and you're right. I mean, you build credibility when you carry yourself in that manner. And it's what Pierre Polyev doesn't have. He's always over the top, always going too far, always overstating his case. Chong is, is not that way. And he's actually someone I've had the opportunity to work more closely with in Parliament. And he's collaborative, he's serious, and he's thoughtful. And it, it, you do have to take issues more seriously and, and, and really take them back and think them through when he puts them on the table. Nate Erskine Smith, our guest, Beaches, East York MP. Um, so Justin Trudeau's been leader a decade. He's been prime minister for almost eight you referenced it too. It's it's hard to keep support static. It's going to come in peaks and valleys. It's going to be good weeks, good weeks, bad weeks, good months, bad months. I'm not going to ask if you think he's staying to run again, but is this the sign of a strong party that the wagons get circled? And even on weekends like this, where there's a lot in the in the atmosphere, um, that that it looks like a very unified party right now. And you know, and I know that in 2013. Um, it wasn't. This is sort of like where we are at with the province right now. Like this is a massive decision and the party really needs to get it right to get it in good standing again. Yeah, there's no question. It has to get it right. And, and, but it's interesting you say where the federal party is at even after seven and a half years because it, it, it isn't always this way in political parties. Mm-hmm. There's oftentimes incredible infighting. There's oftentimes, you know, even you see Aaron O'Toole who wasn't leader for that long and he got knifed by caucus pretty quick. And here you have a situation where, yeah, there have been downs, there have been also many ups, but there's still really strong support and, and people are really keen to, to keep this liberal government uh, in government. And, and, I, and, and in part, I think it's a consequence of success along the way, 400,000 kids out of poverty, CPP enhancement, you, you, you can run down the list, serious, credible climate action. But I actually think in part it is a consequence of a, an incredibly... <laughs> there aren't really many options when, when you look at the table. I mean, Pierre Poilievre, I say, you know, Chong was leader, serious guy. Pierre is not so serious. Uh, the NDP is not in a, in a position to, to deliver. And, and so you look at how do I, what do I want out of government? How do we make the biggest difference? Incre- find me a better option. Find, find me a better government. 
I still hear all the time uh, from Ontario, I guess, Ontario prospective voters or, or people that said, I, I voted for Doug Ford for the first time ever. I just wasn't sure about the other parties. We were coming out of the pandemic. But the, but even the hardcore conservative voters, Nate, um, they, they're they very upset about the green belt. That's my that's my anecdotal, um, you know, spidey sense telling me that from the people I hear from. They say, hey, I want highways to be built. I, I don't take transit. I live outside. I live out in the country. I want to be able to get from point A to B, but they're a little ticked off about the green belt. They feel like it, it's one thing to say we need to build homes and we and of course there's going to be some environmental upset when homes are built, but at the same time they just feel like I feel like something wasn't done right here. When you hear from especially locally in the GTA, are you getting the same vibe? Definitely. I've had conservative neighbors that I've seen at green belt rallies. And mm-hmm. it's the green belt because of the sense of environmental protection, but it's also the selling off of the green belt after saying he wasn't going to do it. And, and the, the, the obvious backroom deal nature to this. And then you add to that, the stag and doe, you add to that, the 95 year deal at Ontario place. that is again, a backroom deal, obviously on the face of it, contrary to the public interest. And it's that, that I think is going to wear on this government for, for two reasons. One, it is, the opposite of being for the people when, when it, it looks like you're in it for yourself. And, and two, it is a, an utter lack of competence. And so there are people who aren't overly partisan, but the, yeah, they, they lean conservative and all they want is a basic sense of competence. They don't want to be looking over their shoulder and saying, what is this government up to today? Do I have to hold it accountable? I'm so busy with my life. I just want a basic amount of competence. And, and that's not what we're seeing. Yeah, I, I think we all look at, at where we live and we say, well, at one point, this was just trees or or a pile of dirt. So we all understand that there's progress and we all understand if we're going to if we're going to meet immigration targets and we're going to increase in size, that there's certain there, you know, there's a certain give and take. But I think it's the transparency. I think it's the basic principles of planning mixed with environmental protection that, that people raise their hands and they go this this wasn't done with all the checks and balances in place. It's the transparency, there's no question. And then there's a simple fact that I come to this and, okay, the premier's telling me that we need to do this to meet our targets. Okay, then I look a little bit under the hood and he's got a housing affordability task force. I look at that and they say the exact opposite of what the premier's saying. And you take a step back and you think, is this really, is this really the bar that we're setting for government? They're doing the opposite of what their experts are telling them. They don't need to be doing this and they're doing it in the back rooms. I, I mean, it's... Is the very, is this what we expect of our government? Shouldn't we expect more? Yeah, and it sure wasn't. Last year at this time, everybody's out campaigning. Everybody's door knocking. The Ontario election's a month away. Not a word of this. The, not no, a fact, word of this. Let me be crystal clear. I will not touch the green belt, <laughs> right? I mean, how do you trust politics if you've got politicians mm-hmm. like that? Nate, we'll talk really soon. Thanks very much for the time today. Thanks, Greg. Nate Erskine-Smith, our guest, Beaches East York MP. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. We were talking about it a little earlier on, and um, and people asking questions about um, the CISA scenario. I know the Liberals had their convention over the weekend. There's Jean Chrétien, and there's Hillary Clinton. But the questions are going to keep coming fast and furious here for sure, given um, how vocal and I think emotional Michael Chong was last week, uh, the conservative MP. I want to bring on conservative MP and uh, deputy party leader Melissa Lansman to discuss that and where this week potentially goes with us. Thanks for coming back on Toronto today, Melissa. We appreciate it. 
Good morning, Greg. Um, I, I, I brought that up earlier. The liberals had the convention scheduled in advance. They're allowed to have their party, have their break and whatnot. But there's serious business once again, beginning this morning about where this story goes. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and and you you called it uh, you called it like you saw it. We have uh, we have a colleague and uh, and a friend of mine, Michael Chong. He's a he's a conservative MP who, uh, over the last number of uh, number of years now that we know, has had uh, threats uh, to his own family, uh, who is in China, didn't know about it. The government said that they told them, they didn't tell him. The government said that they didn't know, they did know. Uh, so there are lots of questions. And the guy who is responsible, uh, he's uh, he's a consular officer in Toronto. Well, he's still here and he's afforded uh, rights that Canadians aren't even afforded. And those rights are given to him by the government. So we have some questions about why this guy is even still here and who knew what when. I, I and Michael Chong brought this up last week um, in that we're, we're a rarity in that we're um, we're G7 country. We've expelled no diplomats from any nation since 2018. Sweden expelled five Russian diplomats. Norway has expelled both Russian and Chinese diplomats. These are Scandinavian. I know Finland's right on, you know, Finland and the NATO thing was was a big controversy. But these are very politically neutral countries. We, we just don't seem to be willing to to pull the lever on this, even when it's absolutely obvious we should. No, and the question is, is what do you think that tells the uh, the, the nation where these diplomats come from? It, it, it says, you know, come to Canada. You can do whatever you want. Greg, we have police stations, but the Minister of Public Safety, Marco Mendicino, said we're closed and are very much operational. That's another country's police station operating on our land, uh, in our sovereign country, um, you know, making threats to citizens from that country. This, this is supposed to be, you know, you said it yourself, it's a G7 country. People are supposed to feel safe here. And what that tells other countries is Canada is open for business, and that kind of business is whatever you want it to be. Is there a feasibility that CSIS and their report about this goes up the chain and somewhere along the line of Jody Thomas to Katie Telford, from Katie Telford to Justin Trudeau, it just doesn't get to the very top level? Is that at all feasible? Well, it's certainly feasible, but it's an extreme breakdown in uh, in government. And the person that is responsible for the operation of government is the prime minister. So we have it's not you know, it, we have a sitting parliamentarian who was targeted because of a vote that he made in the House of Commons. His family was targeted. And if you don't take that seriously and if. if you know, CISA said that this went up the chain like everything else goes up the chain. So many people in government would have known about it. If it's not serious enough that a that a member of parliament can't do its job, how do Canadians trust anything that this government does? And how do they feel safe in their own country, particularly those uh, of Chinese descent? Melissa Lansman's our guest on Toronto Today. We just had um, Liberal MP Nate Erskine-Smith on, who I know you know well, and, and he made the case about Michael Chong. He said, People reach across the aisle to him and they like him. Look, it's very difficult. There's 115 of you as in conservative MPs. There's 156 liberal MPs. I'm sure that not everybody under the same tent agrees on everything all the time. But I bring that up to bring up something that I think Nate's respected for. and I, But I think Michael Chong is as well, is there's an independent sense about him. So when this hit Chong, when he mentions his family, I think that resonated with more than just conservatives last week. What's your thought on that? Yeah, look, I think that resonates with uh, with anybody who is concerned about everything that we've been hearing about uh, uh, about incursions into our democracy. 
you know, this is more evidence that the uh, communist regime in Beijing is actively attempting to meddle. And when it's somebody like that, uh, you know, one of your own, it doesn't matter what party you're from. This is a sitting member of parliament. So imagine you can't, you know, you, you can't do well, but you can't do good by a sitting member of parliament. How are Canadians expecting you to keep them safe? And I think that one of the bigger questions is beyond the practicality and what we find out, how does the federal government rebuild the relationship with CSIS? They can't exactly out themselves. They can't have a news conference. They can't stand in front of cameras or, or do a sit down interview. Uh, do, do I think they're leaking some things to the media? Sure, I do. But the reason it, it came to that is because there's other people not doing their jobs. Like it's a very I, I don't it's an unprecedented situation in my lifetime anyway. Yeah, certainly. And we, we don't want to see, uh, you know, we don't want to see our security apparatus um, coming to, you know, leaking to, to, to the media. That's not how it's supposed to work. Uh, the government is supposed to act on, uh, on, on information, and we want to keep our, our security and intelligence agency doing what they need to do uh, and, uh, and not having a day in the, in the newspapers. I think everybody will agree with that. But the very fact that the government is ignoring them and, and furthermore, even throwing them under the bus saying that maybe they didn't, you know, they didn't send those documents up the chain uh, is going to result in, uh, in more of this. So we'll see where, uh, where the week goes. But the, 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 the fact of the matter still remains is that this diplomat has not been expelled. No diplomat has been expelled. And the government continues to, to accredit this individual after knowing what they know. Melissa Lansman is our guest on Toronto Today. A couple more minutes um, that we have. Catherine McKenna's tweet on Thursday, I talked about it on Friday. Um, and for people who missed it, she she basically um, is, she calls it appalling on a personal, political, and diplomatic level that, that people knew Chong's family was being targeted. There's been no consequences so far, but this is the, the money shot at the end to me is, but not surprising based on my experience. Be serious. Again, Melissa, there's somebody you might sit down with and you and Catherine might disagree on seven or eight out of 10 things politically. But when Catherine McKenna says that about a, a, you know, a government and a prime minister she used to work with and for, that resonated with people on Thursday night. For sure. And I think everybody comes to, to Ottawa, no matter you know, what party you're elected uh, with, to do good by their constituents uh, and, to, uh, and to make Canada a better place. And uh, this, this one is, is hard to understand. It's an abdication of responsibility. Uh, it is a government that, uh, that knew something and didn't say something because we believe that it benefited them politically. It's as simple as that. We're 15 days away from what should be uh, Rapporteur's David Johnston, the former governor general, his report on whether or not he believes there should be a special inquiry. Given the last week and a half, is there any other result except him saying there should be a special inquiry that, that, that your party would find acceptable? No, of course not. And, and the fact that they, you know, that they've done this and they've kicked it down the road, there should have been an inquiry on, uh, on day one. Every single day, there is a new piece of information that comes out surrounding Beijing's interference in, in Canada. We have open police stations. We have an MP whose family is targeted. We have diplomats that haven't been expelled. We have a Trudeau Foundation who's investigating uh, itself effectively. Uh, this is, you know, this is all evidence that something, you know, where there is smoke, there is fire. And, uh, and we want to know, you know, and I think Canadians want to know what mm. is going on here and, uh, and why is it taking so long? One more and I got 30 seconds. If there's a diplomat, if there's a Chinese diplomat expelled in the, this week, how, how do you react to that? What would you say about that? 
Well, uh, look, I think it should have been done uh, weeks ago. And uh, and the government who, uh, you know, the, the Foreign Affairs Minister, catch this clip if you haven't. Uh, it's Michael Chong uh, asking her questions at committee. Uh, and she's basically doing a cost-benefit analysis, scream of consciousness out loud uh, for everybody to hear on what the decision-making is. Just make the decision and get them out of here. Melissa, thanks for the time today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. I'm Melissa Lansman joining us, uh, Deputy Party Leader for the Conservative Party of Canada. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's News, Today's Talk. 640 Toronto. Are you in or out? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So are we in or out? You're out. You are over and out. No, 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 no. Insulted him a little bit. I'm not good with it, but now you're making me feel weird about it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, this is really easy. Drones versus fireworks. That's the best way I can describe it. And the technology is now there. The CNE this past year had a bunch of drone fireworks up in the sky. They looked beautiful and brilliant. I, I was not there at night to see them. And I think the one night I was there was pouring rain, so they didn't have them that night. But they used a drone drones to basically put on this amazing light show, whereas previously, Shiva, they would have like shot a bunch of rockets and missiles up into the air that aren't meant to harm anybody, but sound loud, frighten dogs, scare people. They certainly affect people from war-torn countries more. I don't even like flyovers at stadiums. I can't stand it when the jets fly over me. Really? Why? I don't like it. I don't know what it is. I just don't like it. It's uh Oh, it's I loud. think of Maverick every time that happens. I love it. <laughs> I think of Jennifer Connelly having that house... <laughs> That giant bar by the beach and somehow still being a single mom at age like 47. Pays what? to be a bartender. Well, living in San Diego. That's the most inconceivable plot point <laughs> in Top Gun 2 Maverick. Anyway, um, but but they did a great job with it, didn't they, at the coronation? By the way, was, were the Taylor Swift fireworks fireworks or were they drone fireworks? No, they were real fireworks. Okay, so you got to right see up it up close in, in Nashville. And I loved it. So what, what I'm gathering from you is that you're out on fireworks. I could do without them. I think they're they're dangerous. There's a lot of crap to pick up afterwards on your local, in your yard or on your on your soccer field, on your baseball field. You see all these stuff that kids set them off in the middle of the night. Um, I I love the drone concept. They did some brilliant stuff. So I'm in on drone fireworks becoming a replacement for fireworks. What about you? Okay, so I did a little bit of research into this. When I first saw this, I had an opinion. So fireworks, obviously, they pollute the environment. They distress animals. They hurt your our our, our health. Uh, and they're related to anxiety, disorientation, stress, fear. And on I didn't know this. On fireworks nights, deer run into roads, birds smash oh into God. trees. Yeah, all of these things happen. Oh I'm a God. jerk, okay? Because all of that being said, and I know our vets, I know all the trauma, I know the animals, the pets, the dogs. I love fireworks. I'm I'm out on drone fireworks. That's okay. That's they okay. look beautiful. The coronation was great. And then, Gord, you, you were talking about it. I'm like, what is this? And I, I, I clicked on it and... Because I didn't see it live, and I'm like, no, no, you need some fireworks. You need like, there's nothing, nothing does it like just explosive. You need the bang, fire you need the sound into the sky. So the bang makes a difference, yeah, right? Yeah, it's you know what? I also grew up in Ottawa. I went to the Parliament Hill every July first. Saw the Parliament Hill fireworks. Mm. I, it's nostalgic for me. I love fireworks. Okay, Gordon, I'm break in. that tie. I'm in on uh, drones. On drones. Okay, I loved that thing at the coronation. Katy Perry comes out, and the big. Or do you just lion? love Katy Perry? Which well, is both. this? 
Okay, both. Fine. But then you, you know, they panned up and had that big lion's head with for roar. I thought yeah. that was incredible. And then the guy was singing, "Don't you forget about me about the environment." Had a big giant whale come up over the stage. It was oh, that was awesome. Yeah, it would change the GTA a lot because we we have enough noise pollution. We have drag racing nonstop. Oh. I hear cars outside, motorbikes. Drag, people drag racing at 8 o'clock every night in the summer. I can hear them. I don't know how many uh, kilometers away yeah. they are. Shiva Diwali. Gore Diwali would change a lot. With Why all this Shiva Diwali? Because you're both on the show. I, we talk about the fireworks. They want to ban get a fireworks. Hotel. Get out of Brampton on Diwali night and go get a hotel on the other side of the city. But but you, but you that's a big story in Brampton. They want to ban fireworks and they want to ban lawn signs. Our guy Patrick Brown out there wants to get rid of campaign <laughs> signs. Yes. And fireworks, uh, well, similarly. I think Dave Bradley likes blowing things up. I think he likes things that catch on fire. I'm not saying he, he's a he's pro scaring animals. I'm not saying that, but let's let's let him say that in his own words. Drones or fireworks? Which you prefer? You older school when it comes to I do like the old throwing school. stuff up yeah, in the yeah. air. Yeah, I don't like scaring the animals, but I, I do yeah. like the the booms and the bangs and the the pretty colors and all that. Good okay, stuff. Yeah. and yeah, and as Sheba mentioned, like if it, look, if an antelope happens to run into a, a Ford F one fit, that's just the circle of life talking. <laughs> It's just, nobody's... Do we have antelopes here? It's terrible because I'll tell you, I knew when I was driving on Michigan highways in hunting season, hunting season would start and I'd be a little more tense on the wheel because I'm like, all these damn hunters are in the woods yeah, with their orange vests. They're shooting and all these deers are running across the I-94, I-75. They want out of here. They're mistaking your brown Buick Thank for a deer you. and they're shooting at it. Oh so my gosh, go. that could happen also. Yeah, I've had my tires <laughs> shot out a few times from hunters. <laughs>